Hello, everyone, and welcome to Watch and Walk podcast with Ebenezer. This podcast aims at inspiring you to trust in God and obey His Word every day. Be edified as you listen to this exhortation. Hello, friend. My name is Ebenezer, and I believe you are doing well by God's grace. This week, I'm going to share with you the second part of my conversation with James, where I ask him to share his thoughts on the difference between a trial and a temptation and how a Christian should respond to each of them. And let me remind you that the role of James is played by Taylor Shippey, who is an MDiv graduate of Bayless Truett Seminary and the pastor of Gibbon Baptist Church in Gibbon, Nebraska. Please take a listen to this one. Now, let me transition um, to your weakness or weaknesses, if we may uh, look at them that way. Did you have any at all? Well, Ebenezer, allow me to explain my weaknesses by understanding what I feel like my strengths were. And so I think weaknesses are strengths pushed to an extreme. And so I think a strength of mine was that I was very practical. I'm intensely practical. I am clear and direct. I, my letter contains very uh, a high number of imperative verbs, more than almost any other of what you call the New Testament. I concentrate on the practical side of theology. And it's not that the danger is, though, because I am so insanely practical. Sometimes my theology, where I am, my, 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 my thinking sometimes gets lost behind that practicality. It's not that I don't care about theology. I want to have a right theology, but I lean so heavily on that practical side that sometimes it can be a bit confusing as to where maybe I am getting my basis for what I am saying is practical. And so, Hmm. um, but this is honestly because I I, I have my people in mind. I have the people that are a part of my congregation and on my heart. Hmm. And so um, I leave sometimes the theological development to other, I would say, smarter men than myself. The Apostle Paul, I bring him up again. He develops way theology way better than I do. And so I would say a weakness of mine is sometimes my theology and sometimes my understanding is underdeveloped or underexplained. And so my footnotes, as you might say today, are sometimes hard to decipher if you were to read my letter. Another thing is, is that I am very simple and straightforward and concise. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I take rapid treatment with the issues in my letter. That's why it's so short. And so sometimes some have compared my letter uh, to the book of Proverbs in our Old Testament and thinking that it's a bunch of wisdom sayings. And honestly, that might be why some are attracted to it, to the brevity of it. And so, but a danger of that is because I I don't elaborate so much on what I'm saying. And sometimes it leads a little bit to the be desired for some people. And so again, that could lead to some people being confused as to what I'm trying to say. Another strength I think of myself is that I use a lot of metaphors. I use a lot of of, of analogies. And just to say a few, I know I talk about a billowing sea, a withered flower, a face in a mirror, a a horse's bit, a a rudder on a ship, the destructiveness of a forest fire, a pure spring of water, an arrogant businessman, corroded metal, moth-eating clothes, you name it. I'm always Hmm. trying to make it understandable to people in my congregation but a difficulty is that sometimes my analogies either, you know, they break down. They break down sometimes, yeah. And so sometimes they don't go as far. And so, um, or sometimes they get lost over the course of the centuries or even in translation sometimes. And so 
again, I think my strengths are also weaknesses pushed to an, or my strengths pushed to an extreme are my weaknesses. And so okay. I hope people will take that with grace that they yeah, understand. Yeah, we'll definitely take that with grace. Um, your yeah. letter has been very instructive and it's good that you've ex- expanded um, this one for us. But yes, um, I did reserve a lot of time for us to explore your letter. And we, of course, it's a short letter, but it has a lot to offer us. Um, now let's look at some parts. I mean, we cannot explore every part of the letter, but some very important parts um, to me. The first one has to do with the way you differentiate or you connect trials and temptations. Um, what is the difference between the two? Because it's something that a lot of um, a lot of us really struggle with. How is trial different from temptations? And then how does a Christian respond to each of them? Yes, I'm happy to elaborate a bit on my letter. As I said, you know, sometimes I'm so concise that sometimes it's best to kind of explain it again. And so I will do my best to explain. And so I mentioned trials and temptations, and both have distinct meanings um, in what you call the New Testament. Sometimes the distinction is unclear. Other times there are other ideas or connotations behind it. But when I say trial, I think of it as an outward trial or a testing. An outward trial or a testing is a trial. But a temptation would be more of an inward enticement to sin, an inward enticement to sin. And so Hmm. I speak of both. And so The trials that I have in mind, though, specifically for my context, because again, it might differ for yours, you know, I think for my context, it's poverty. My letter is filled with references to uh, the poverty of my people and how they are being oppressed and even uh, mocked or taken to trial or ridiculed uh, for their poverty. And that's a trial. And so it could indicate that, uh, that in my church, that that is a real struggle for my people. But I also should preface that in my letter, I kind of cast a wide net for what trials could be. I say trials of any kind. And so Mm -hmm. while my people might be struggling with poverty, maybe it's something different for yours. It could be any kind of suffering that Christians undergo in this fallen world. Maybe it's a social dislocation or verbal mockery or disappointment, or maybe it's, maybe it's even something more difficult. Maybe it's a, a severe illness. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's bereavement. There are quite a few things. And that's why I say trials of any kind, external things that are used by God to test us, to test us. And that's why I say that the Christian response to trials is joy. Hmm. Now, you might think I'm crazy. You might think I'm crazy. Because the world thinks that I'm crazy, that we should respond to trials with joy But I speak of this as a good thing because when we see it from a spiritual perspective, and again, sometimes this is lost because I want to be pastoral in my answer. I know my people are going through trials and trials are painful and we don't know how they're going to go on. There's a lot of uncertainty. But if we look at it from a spiritual perspective, we look at this testing, I think of it as refining our faith. And that's why I count a joy. Refining like silver and gold goes under this process of being refined where the impurities are refined out of it. And so in a way, the crucible of suffering, the impurities are refined away. That's all that's left is pure and valuable before our Lord. 
Hmm. So trials have a purifying quality. They're, they are the arena in which the process through which good things developed. And so the testing of faith is not intended to determine whether a person has faith or not. That, that, that's not what I'm trying to say. It is intended to purify the faith that already exists in the individual. Hence why Christians should absurdly say when the world thinks that we should be be remorseful and grieving and and upset, we should respond with joy. Hmm. So I understand that the process is different for for different individuals. And so I'm not trying to say it's a a one size fit all, but perhaps for those of you, maybe in your own time, maybe for you, uh, that can be a pastoral word for them, that this can be, if they can see their trials as a testing of their faith, the faith that already exists in them, that it's just refining it. And hopefully it should produce in them what I would call perseverance or steadfastness. Um, the person that is that is successfully carrying a heavy load for a long time, endurance, staying power, like a muscle that's become strong when it when it faces resistance. Christians learn to remain faithful to God over the long haul only when they face adversity and difficulty. I'm trying to encourage believers to pray during trials, not that it be taken away, but that they be spiritually strengthened to endure that trial with a godly spirit. Hmm. That's why I count it joy. And that's why I preach to my own people the same thing. And that's why I count my own trials as a pastor, as the leader of this church, as a joy as well. Is it easy to always do that? No, but that's why we pray, right? That's why hmm. we pray for the Lord yeah. to help us. Yeah, yeah. I will let you talk a bit more about temptation as well. But let me just chip in this one. Uh, you're, you're one of your contemporaries, the Apostle Peter, uh, says this in... First Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 6 to 9. When he was talking about the heavenly inheritance, the blessing that the Lord has given Christians, uh, he, he tells his audience, the church, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith at the salvation of your souls. So, it kind of captures or affirms what you you talk about, and it appears that you were on the same page when it comes to trials, our response to trials, and, and no wonder the apostles rejoiced and when they faced and um, trials. But now look at temptation. You were talking about the inner working. In my letter, I speak again. So we talked about trials, temptations. Now, as I said, are an inner enticement of our own sinful desire. So they come from within us. They're not from God. God is the giver of good gifts to his children. He's not the giver of evil gifts, which was what I will say is a temptation. And so there is a difference in that. And by praying, I believe that we can resist the devil. I speak about that. If we resist the devil, he will flee from us. We have to fight against this tendency. Maybe we can speak about it later. Mm -hmm. This 
double-mindedness because sometimes our loyalties still to this world might linger within us and produce desires and habits or wants in us that are not becoming of our Lord, things that, again, are from within us. And that could be because we have this dual loyalty to not only God, but also this world that lingers within us. And so as we refine out those impurities, our temptations so hopefully linger away. And so... um mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. And so, uh, when we get, remain committed uh, to the Lord, and we 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 prayerfully, you know, draw the strength from Him, we'll be able to overcome the temptations that are that seek to entice or distract us from the uh, faith. Uh, one thing I have noted about the link between trials and temptations um, is that we, if we know, you know, temptations do not come from God. We can turn trials into temptations by the way we respond to them. You know, God means to purify us. Even when we are going through, if it is not something that he intentionally brings our way, if it's just a, as a result of the brokenness of the world we find ourselves in, by our response, we can make it temptation by being desperate, by being uh, anxious, by being um, just impatient. We think that because of what we are going through um god is not just or life is not fair and we allow that trial which is able to make us depend on the lord and draw strength from him so that we can have that genuine faith and walk in it what we allow it to do is to make us desperate and then push us to do evil or just look for the shortcut we have to be careful when we are going through any adversity whatsoever may god help us that's a good word ebenezer i amen i trust that you learned something edifying from our interaction next week god willing i will share with you the third part of my conversation with james until then may god bless your reflection on this one in jesus name amen Thank you for listening to Watch and Walk Podcast with Ebenezer. Watch and Walk Podcast comes to you this and every Wednesday. To get notifications of new episodes, please subscribe. This podcast is brought to you by Watch and Walk Ministry. Visit us at watchandwalk.org to learn more about this ministry. God bless you.